Welcome to Brothers and Who, a Married to Who spinoff podcast where me, Jake, and my brother Alex watch classic Doctor Who in whatever order we fucking decide. Right now we're going through all of the Dalek episodes and we have reached the pinnacle. Not the last one, but the best one, according to Doctor Who Magazine's 50th anniversary poll. This Alex was number one. It is Genesis of the Daleks, written by Terry Nation, directed by David Maloney, aired March 8th through April 12th, 1975. Alex. Yo. Oh, what'd you think of this one? This one was really, really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. I was gonna watch it in like pieces just to, you know, think about it, let it marinate, but like it just kept rolling and it was so good. Couldn't help myself. Yeah, six episode ones in general, even when they're really good, are kind of tough to watch all in one sitting, but uh sometimes it happens. Yeah, definitely happened. All right, well, give me some stuff. What'd you like about it? Oh man, just the so the Davros like whole outfit, how they did that, and uh, I have so many questions about like how his chair works because I have theories, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, go for it! I got answers for you. Is he literally pushing himself? Like, is he sitting in a wheelchair pushing himself with his feet? Yeah, all the Dalek operators do. It's essentially a regular old Dalek, and so it's operated the same way as all the other people. Uh, I thought the Dalek, like the normal Daleks, had like little trikes in them that they would like pedal them around, but I guess that makes more sense that they're just wheelchairs. Uh, Elizabeth Sladen in the Blu-ray special features said that the first time they were like doing a scene like actually shooting it and they cut and he like stood up. She almost fell down laughing because it revealed that under his black Davros tunic, he's wearing a kilt and (laughs) knee pads. And he's like, no, no, I'm not trying to be funny. It's just easier this way. Like it's actually really hard with trousers on to operate a Dalek. And so he just did it that way because it was the easiest way for him. Oh man, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, that so Davros was awesome. The just the acting in general was really good. Like the security, uh, the head of security guy was really creepy and sounded like a Dalek himself. Like, ah, it it was great. What does so they they said that Khaled's stands for something. What what does it stand for? Niter was played by by Peter Miles, and I am like halfway through right now the behind the sofa special features on the blu-ray and there's like two different sofas with cast members from doctor who watching the episode and talking about it one of the sofas is three of tom baker's companions not any of the ones that are in this episode because they both passed away but uh then the other one is tom baker elizabeth Slayton's daughter and um philip hinchcliffe the the showrunner at the time and first of all they talk about um michael wisher constantly just how good he was but also how really weird he was like he insisted on wearing a paper bag over his head during rehearsals because he 
knew that he wouldn't be able to see or hear very well in the mask. So he wanted to kind of, during rehearsal, create that environment for himself. Oh. And then uh, Tom Baker made a joke about Peter Miles, who played Nider, by saying, like, he still dines out on this performance. Like, it's still, like, I'm sure he does, like, a lot of the conventions and stuff. Um, and, yeah, it was he's fucking awesome. And people, you know, rightly give... Michael Wisher a lot of credit for creating Davros and playing Davros and being essentially the second main character of the story behind Tom Baker. But Peter Miles does a lot of the heavy lifting in this story. Yeah, they they were both very, very good. And then just the writing in general, too, was super fun. I didn't feel like any part like extended for too long or was annoying. But yeah, it was it was just very, very good. Very well yeah. put together. And then, you know, they also got David Maloney, one of the best Doctor Who directors ever. And he did make changes to the script because he really wanted it to to look a certain way. And during this time, they, the production teams had just switched over. So the way it worked back then is, you know, these episodes were created so quickly that when you came on as a new showrunner, like it wasn't just a showrunner. There's always like a producer and a script editor, which is now kind of one job. Chris Chibnall runs the show, but is also hiring all the writers and editing all the scripts. But, you know, Chris Chibnall also has other producers on the show. And so when you came on for your first season, your whole first year of scripts were like already kind of in pre-production from the outgoing crew. So it was, um, there's a bit on the special features on the DVD where Terrence Dix and uh, Barry Letts are sitting there. And they're saying, so we asked Terry Nation for a script. He wrote one and gave it to us. And Terrence Dix read it. And he's like, God, this is just like, it's a lot like the last script we did. And so we brought it to Barry Letts and Barry Letts reads it and goes, you know, I think he might've already sold us this script last year. And I think he might've sold us this script the year before that too. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, Barry Lett says he gave um, Terry Nation the idea to do a Genesis story. And he even used the word and gave him the title. Like, what about a story about the Genesis of the Daleks? And he's like, got you, boss. <laughs> Just writes down Genesis of the Daleks. <laughs> and then uh, a lot of stuff because there's a new producer and uh, script editor, Robert Holmes, they wanted to make this the show much more adult. And Robert Holmes had always kind of written the scarier episodes of Doctor Who. He had written a bunch of Doctor Who up to this point. But uh, Terrence Dix would kind of have to rein him in a little bit. Like he made a, he made a reference on the DVD. Um, do you remember the episode, the John Pertwee one, where they go back in time and there's a Centauran, like the first Centauran episode? Yes. So in that one, he's like, there is a line where the bad guy says to someone like, tonight you're going to feel the crunch of your soup as you eat your husband's eyeballs or something like that. (laughs) And Terrence Dix is like, Jesus Christ, you can't fucking say that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) six o'clock tea time uh, television. And so now those... uh, those like people to rein in Robert Holmes are gone. 
And now he's got Phil Hinchcliffe as his boss, who's like egging him on even more. Like, yeah, fucking do it. And there's a lot of stuff in this story that's like gruesome. Yeah, this one was definitely like it was notably more uh, adult. I felt like it just felt different. Like it was is great. Well, yeah, just little things like somebody being shot by a pistol instead of a laser gun just feels more violent and like more just real. And so it is kind of scarier when someone just gets shot by a revolver or a, you know, bolt action rifle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes it a little more uh, real. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, in that opening couple of scenes in part or in episode one, with like the dude in the gas mask and they're in the middle of a war zone and there's when they're like actually outside and there's shit blowing up all over. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah, that scene when they were in the trench and they got jumped. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, that's right after. the. But yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like that fight scene where it's like, oh, five people died and Sarah gets left behind because she's covered up by dead bodies. Right. Like they just came out blazing guns, just da, 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 just destroyed everything. Yeah, that that was pretty brutal. <laughs> and of course, even though Terry Nation does, you know, rewrite the script and make it try to make it more different than the previous ones, he cannot let the doctor and the companion spend any time together. They are separated as soon as possible, which yes. Terry Nation loves to do. Um, I also liked the doctor in this one. Uh, I felt like he was like the, like he was written really well for this, uh, story. Uh, he had a lot of really good lines. Um, like, uh, excuse me, can you help me? I'm a spy. <laughs> like just <laughs> that shit was so good. Yeah. I wrote down a lot of like the very beginning with the, uh, time Lord is trying to get him to go do this mission. Because whatever it is, I refuse. And the guy goes, Daleks. And he turns around, Daleks, tell me more. But like in that Tom Baker way, it's so good. Yeah, Tom Baker really nailed it in this one. He was he was a shining star for sure. Got just his big dumb grin is like always one of my favorite things. Like when Harry first saves him from that mine and he's still like staring forward, but just all of a sudden this big grin creeps over his face. And then uh, uh, when Harry and the doctor find out where Sarah Jane is and they have to go get her, Harry goes, well, doctor, it seems we have to cross the wastelands again. And then Tom Baker goes, yes. And that's when our troubles really begin. And then just this huge smile on his face. It's just <laughs> yeah. so fun. Yeah, that was, oh, he's great. How does, so he's. Just as the actor, he has to just hate long scarves by now, right? Because every time he was running, like the <laughs> scarf was just in the way. I think he liked it, like just playing with it and always having just something for his hands to do. I, I guess. And at this point, this is still his first season. Like This is oh, only wow. like his fourth story, third story, something like that. Um, and again, in the that behind the sofa thing on the Blu-ray Phil and Chip Hinchcliffe. I keep saying Philip. It's Philip Hinchcliffe. Philip Philip Hinchcliffe says to him, "Oh, right around this time, you're really just hitting your stride. Like you are now the Doctor, and it's totally true. Like this is peak Tom Baker, which is weird to say because it's so early in his seven years as the Doctor." Yeah, yeah. 
I, I'm just thinking of like um, current doctors. I guess for me, it takes about like a little bit over a season for the new doctor to like feel like the doctor. But if this is his second, wait, what'd you say? Fourth story? Uh, it was either third or fourth. Like that's that's really fast, and he's he's just in the groove. That's that's amazing. Uh, so, what do you think of uh, Harry Sullivan? This is your first Harry Sullivan episode, I think. I, maybe he was all over the screen, but I just maybe assumed he was just for the story. Like they never were just like in the TARDIS. Like it it just started in the story, so I couldn't really get a feel of like who's the actual companions. And I've seen Sarah before, so I just knew, but. So I guess he was great. Yeah. So Harry's on the show for, I think this season is it. And then he, I think he might pop up for like an episode here or there, but he also died really young. He was only 42. He died in 1986. What'd you think of Sarah in this episode? Liz Sladen. She was great. Uh, she was um, trying to think uh, what she did. Cause like, fuck man. That's the problem with just like watching it like almost a week ago now. <laughs> I liked Sarah. She she was good. I remember her being good, but I'm trying to remember specifics right now. Uh, so what do you think of kind of the story? Like the fact that the doctor's meant to go back in time to Scarrow and either affect the Daleks in their... um creation so that they're less evil or destroy them and he doesn't really do any of that yeah i i really like the struggle that the doctor was having with um but like when he was at the point of like blowing up the the hatchery or whatever it's called it was, it was very interesting to see that because like the time war hadn't happened yet or has it happened for him yet i can't remember where when 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 was that? Yeah, so we've seen the Time War. It starts with the Eighth Doctor, ends with the War Doctor. But RTD has stated a few times that this story, Genesis of the Daleks, is the beginning of the Time War, with the Time Lords making the first move. So this is, in the minds of the Daleks, created an enemy. And this was like the first shot taken in a war that will you know, take, take a long time to get started, but will affect the universe. Yeah. That's what I was wondering is, uh, if the time war, uh, if the reason that the time Lords wanted him to go back was because the war was starting and that, so they must've been, at least the time Lords know about the Daleks. So the Daleks must know about the time Lords. Did they ever have a scene where they like had a realization of what the doctor was? They tra traveled in time, dummy. The Daleks did? No, the doctor did. So this is before they've ever met him. Oh, yeah, because he was sent back. Yeah, that's right. All right, all right, all right. You want some fun facts? Hit me with the facts. Episode 2 has the first use of freeze frame as a cliffhanger in Doctor Who. Uh, Dave Maloney changed a lot, especially in the first episode. He not only changed it, so like when the... The Time Lord comes and talks to Tom Baker and is trying to convince him to do the mission. That was written to be like in some beautiful garden. And 
Dave Maloney and Philip Pinchcliffe wanted something darker. They wanted the episode to start like with a bang and be visually interesting. So they went to a quarry <laughs> and decided to make it start like in the war zone of this war between the Khalids and the Thals that we've heard about so many times. And now we're just in it. Yeah, that was really, really cool. Yeah. And we also see the Thals lose like we see or no, we see the Thals win. Like we see the Thals kill all the Khalids, mm-hmm. which is fucking crazy. <laughs> So not only yeah. did the did the doctor not like change the Daleks or destroy them, but he also let a whole race of people die. He didn't let it happen, but he didn't stop it. Right. Yeah. He but he also wasn't the one doing it. He was um, letting history run it out, but that's exactly what they didn't want to have happen, so that's kind of funny. <laughs> um you're not going to believe it, but Terry Nation thought that the rewrite of his script by David Maloney was too violent. Oh, no way. You mean war's crazy? Uh, there's a novelization of The Evil of the Daleks written by John Peel that suggests that the Dalek, which exterminates Davros toward the end of this story, eventually becomes the Dalek Emperor that we see in Evil of the Daleks. Peel's... Uh, Later novel, War of the Daleks, uh, also confirms this. Oh, shit. This also marks the last time that we see the Thals. Those beautiful blonde bastards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they weren't quite blonde enough for me in this one. Uh, yeah, they. I guess maybe uh, they haven't been hit with all the radiation yet. Make them blonde. Oh, you think the radiation makes them blonde? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> It definitely takes more clothes off and then they look beautiful. <laughs> well, they're living outside in the jungle. <laughs> yeah, I do like that. Uh, yeah, maybe that's it. Just exposure to the sun because they live outside. I do like that. The moment the doctor thinks that Harry and Sarah are dead, he just latches on to like the closest hot chick. And is like, you're with me now. <laughs> <laughs> you're my new best friend. <laughs> Uh, I do want to mention John Scott Martin. He was a Dalek operator in here. And all the other Dalek operators kind of allow him to be like the head Dalek operator because he had been doing it since the chase back in 1965. And he's going to be in all the rest of the Dalek stories that we see in Classic Who. He ended up doing 14 Dalek serials uh, by the time it was all done. Wow. Congrats to him. Right? You know, he's living that convention life. Oh, for sure. Um, This is the only time we ever see any of the Khaleds other than Davros ever. Uh, First and last then? Yeah. Wow. Uh, This is also the first time we see an actual like array beam come out of the Dalek weapon. Even though they keep the effect of like uh, using the negative of the shot or whatever. They, we haven't seen like a beam before other than special editions where they've inserted it 30 okay. years later. I, I liked it, but it was also interesting. It didn't do like the, the like the snake tongue thing either. It's just, just like, right. it just was like, blah. Well, that's pretty much everything I got. Is there anything you really want to hit home? I mean, we love Davros. Michael Wisher is great. He's also passed away. They would joke that he 
you could see like smoke coming out of the top of the Davros mask because he would be smoking nonstop. Oh, shit. <laughs> and they even have like an archive interview with him in this documentary that's on the DVD. And he like has an unlit cigarette and a lighter in his ma- in his hands the entire time. <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> I can't wait till this is over because I'm going to start smoking right away. Uh, I don't. So how much does did it ever say how much of Davros Terry Nation wrote? Or was that director guy or no? Well, he wrote it, but a lot of love was given to the makeup done by Sylvia James and the design. Um, the guys in the DVD, but I don't know his name. I was just wondering with the lines because Davros was by far for me like the darkest thing in this whole episode because his monologues were insane like he was just an insane person and like the whole if i could hold a capsule that would destroy everything (laughs) that was insane he's so crazy this is supposed to be the doctor's like big ploy to reason with him it's like imagine having a vial that could kill everything in the universe and instead it totally backfires he's like fuck yeah do you have one can i have it (laughs) oh my gosh yeah that was insane like Davros, just the writing for Davros was so good. He was creepy, scary, loved it. And I'm wondering how much of that episode influenced um, that New Who episode with the, uh, oh, what was it called? Where, where like the pulse would go, or what was it? It was like a the reality bomb. Yeah, the reality bomb. Because that was basically the vial that would destroy everything in the universe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's a couple different actors that'll play Davros as we go on. Um, Davros is going to be in every Dalek episode we watch for the rest of Classic Who. He's always there. Oh, perfect. And not that that's a lot. There's only four left. Need more Davros in my life. <laughs> There's a lot of good imagery used in this story. Um, at one point in the DVD, Philip Hinchcliffe says, you know, I I said in our meetings before we started, like, I really want to make sure that they're not too Nazi-like. And then he goes, and then I think we made them super Nazi-like. <laughs> like, they're <laughs> just not, like, it's not even a, like, fabrication. They're just Nazis. But it works, man. It's so good. Yeah. And then uh, the lighting, they spent a lot of time on the DVD talking about Duncan Brown, um, the lighting guy, and just how they really wanted a lot of it to be dark. There's a lot of times you see a Dalek or Davros coming out of the shadows and running down the hallways. Like, they didn't want the lights to light the walls, just the actors in the middle. So, yeah, just a lot of people kind of hitting their stride in what's going to be like the heyday of Doctor Who, you know, Tom Baker's couple of years run here in the mid to late 70s is peak Doctor Who for all time. Well done, everybody involved. It was great. You have a, an MVP? I'm going to do the combined writing for, for the episode or for the story. I thought it was great. Okay. Well, I'll give it to David Maloney then, the director. He's uh, he directs a lot of the big Doctor Who stuff, and I he's I think he directed one we watched pretty recently. 
I think you did um, Day of the Daleks, the one where they're on that planet and they learn how to be invisible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so where is this in your ranking of all of the Dalek stories we've watched so far? This one's the best one so far. Yeah? Yeah, like just just Davros and uh, the Doctor being great. Like it was, it was, this was a out of the park. It was so good. You know, we just today, as we're recording this, released our Married to Who episode on Dark Water. So we only have Death in Heaven and then Last Christmas. And then we get a two-part Davros episode. The last, so far, Davros episode in New Who. One of only two. We need more Davros. (laughs) And it's a really good Davros episode, or story. There's two episodes. Okay. So next time, Alex, we have Destiny of the Daleks. It's five seasons later. Still Tom Baker. But Romana 2 is the companion. So it'll be your first of either of the Romanas, I believe. Uh, It's only four episodes. It introduces the Mabellans, who we will see again in Bill's first episode in season 10. Um it's also Terry Nation's final Doctor Who story on television. Oh, man. He has a couple of scripts that never got produced that end up being adapted into Big Finish, but this is his last uh, TV one. All right, Alex, give me that. A paper crumpling theme song. This has been Brothers in Who's episode on Genesis of the Daleks. Uh, continue with us through the coming months as we wrap up our Dalek episodes by going into the 80s. Uh, do check out Married to Who, the podcast of which this is a spinoff. We're just wrapping up series uh, eight. Yep, eight. <laughs> we're about about to, we're halfway through the finale of that and we'll be going into the Christmas special and then series nine. Um, on behalf of myself, Jake, and my brother Alex, thank you for listening. Please join us next time for Destiny of the Daleks. Do 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 do